Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mabe, and today, before we get to our special guest, who I'm super excited, pumped up, and ready to hear from, we got Coach Joe Krawczyk, the co-host, in the house today. Joe, what's going on, baby? Oh, it's good. It's good. It's February, a great time of year. I think every single team I work with is in season in some capacity, so just a really fun time of year. You know, you grind all fall and then and you get to see the kids go compete and and uh, hopefully dominate. So it's it's fun. I'm 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 enjoying watching them compete. Coach, what's what's your one word or one theme for 20 we're in 2024. What you got, Joe? What you got? My one theme for 2024. Your one word. Give me some. Um, one word. I kind of just said uh dominate. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to dominate 2024, Coach. Uh, mine is shift. Mine is shift. So I'm just trying to grow and change. So awesome. Well, let's get our guests on board. Uh, without further ado, you guys are in for a special treat. Uh, reconnected with this coach recently. I've known him for years. Super successful. Very well-known. Coach Charles Stevenson. Welcome to the show, Coach. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing great, and it's definitely an honor. I'm super excited to be here, Donnie. Thank you, Coach Joe. Thank you. Pleasure to meet you today, Joe and and Donnie. It's it's been great to reconnect here recently. Yes, sir, Coach. You're in Central Florida, and I will get into that in a minute. How's things in your world? I know you you just kicked our butts, so we won't talk about that on the show. But how's things in the in the the world down there in Florida for you now? Uh, I'm loving it, Coach. It's a beautiful day today. Uh, we we have a roll top door right out here in our weight room. We had that thing up today, and we set up some conditioning circuits outside for our tennis teams. and And I, I love it. Absolutely love it, Joe, Coach Joe. That what he just said that is like strength and conditioning performance. You've died gone. If you have a roll up door, <laughs> outside, we're in a basement here in B two in Austin. It's probably it's been rainy here, but it's probably sunny out, and like you've got heaven there. We need to come visit you. We're in the wrong spot. So <laughs> welcome. Please, please do. We'd love to have you. Well, good stuff, coach. We'll we'll jump right into uh, this first question. I'm dying to hear just some of your wisdom and unpack this. So first question for you. You know, you've been doing this 35 years, right? You've been some great places. You're you were at NC State for a long run, very successful, Utah, uh, Auburn, working with basketball. You're in Central Florida. You've started this huge basketball symposium. You've been in some phenomenal places, very successful. What have you seen over the years change with the NIL right now, the transfer portal, technologies on the rise, especially in, in court sports, conference realignments? How have you seen the performance game change? Talk to us, Coach. Well, Donnie, thank you for those kind words that you mentioned earlier. Uh, to your question, you know, what we're seeing now here in basketball for me here is we're getting an older athlete, an athlete that is that has played college basketball. And I think that's what coaches are after. They want to see the proven product. Can it play at this level? And they want to go out and get these guys that that have played even four and five years, graduate transfer. So we the predominant amount of our, our team 
is that is juniors, seniors, and grad transfers and super, super seniors, whatever you call them now. So that's what we're getting, an older athlete. So along with that comes sometimes there's some dudes that have they've been at great places with great strength coaches. They have developed their bodies, they're strong. And you kind of run into, I know it's a catchphrase word now, athlete profiling. But, you know, with our force plate and our technology, we are seeing some things where, you know, this dude's pretty strong. And and how can I really help him? And maybe I can swing him, you know, just do more velocity work than I do strength work. And 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 sometimes it's not that way, coach. Sometimes you got a guy that's old and and, you know, maybe isn't the best squatter, even though he's old. Right. And or just a good, you know, a person that so now you you go to things that can actually locally train that knee extensor in a way. And I'm finding myself doing that. I'm almost finding myself relying on machines more, if you will. And, and because you have less time, right, coach, you and uh, you. So that's, that's the change for me and that in in the basketball world. Coach, that that's good. Question I have to add to that. Um, You know, I've been, this is my 30th year doing it. You've been 35 for our audience that's listening. You guys, some of the younger audience, you you don't realize this, but Charles and I remember, Coach Charles, we remember a day where one guy did it all. We did supplements. We did diet. We did, you know, you did all the adjustments. You communicate with the coach. We're in a day now that it's so complex and very specific in your role. How do you operate in your performance team? Like, how do you do that now? You have came from this, like, top-down, probably you ran everything, but now you've got these other pieces that you kind of got to work with. How do you work with that team behind the team now, coach? Well, to me, it's exciting because there's no greater pleasure than than working with others and others trying to help each other get better. And it is, you know, collaboration is slower, right? It takes time. It takes time to have meetings. It takes time to tell other department areas, heads that of about strength training and the level that we've seen it and know it. So you be patient with that, but you, you know, I, it certainly has been a thing that I've embraced. It's, it's been, it's definitely has made me better has elevated me. Coach Joe, I got one more question. Sorry. I'm kind of ball hog right now a little bit, but this is a topic like you're just seeing such a multi-generational divide in, you know, generation Z now millennials, you know, some of the older guys like us, right? Some of the boomers, my kids call us that, right? How do you take, what have you seen that works to take a, you got younger people, older people, middle age people, those different generations and blend and make that work so that you stay relevant, connected? Because I think, again, my specific kind of reason I'm asking that, I'll see a lot of younger coaches come in or, or professionals, whatever area they're in, and they struggle to work with an older coach, you know? So how do you, what would you, how would you speak into that, Charles? Well, it's, it's multifaceted, right? There, there's all the pieces of relationship that we have to rely on that we've learned over the years through mistakes. Uh, the value of building that relationship and how to build it. And I think the biggest thing that has helped me lately is is to really work on my ego and really try to you you know say like why am i getting tense 
right right now like uh, like whoa whoa so when i feel that i'm like uh and i mean like if i'm having a conversation with another professional in an area it's like what if i'm getting tense right now it must be must be me problem you know and i think i definitely enjoy letting them make decisions and hey it's your plan it's your decision Let, let's rock it right and 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 even though i've may have seen a better way in my head. Like I've seen this done at other places and we did it probably better, but this is close enough. Let's roll with that. Right. And without that's, what's in my head. I'm not saying that. And it's, and I think that's, there's power in that too. That's that relationship thing. That's good. That's a good word. Yeah. And, and speaking of relationships, you know, when you communicate with athletes now and, you know, we, we kind of talked about NIL and transfer portal, older athletes are essentially, getting money through NIL, getting paid now, have you kind of had to pull some of the communication strategies that, you know, they use in, in, the, in the pros and NBA to communicate with the collegiate kids? Because I feel like we we transition from this almost militaristic style of training where everyone comes in a group, they're all wearing the same thing, all this to now we're, we're shifting to this, you know, modelers, older athletes, long, longer seasons, they're getting paid now. Um, is is there any difference there or is it still generally the same? Hey, Joe, you nailed it. Exactly. You talked about more of a pro model in some ways, right? You nailed it. Is is it's like my my warm-up, for example, for a pregame. All through the year and summer, I've taught them foam roll. We've used bands, we've used jump, you know, we've done all these things to help warm them up, help them prepare. We've done dynamic flight, everything, you name it, right? And prior to that game, they choose how they prepare themselves. You know, we have our team warm up plan, but there's if they want to jump rope, if they want to do hip circles and mini band work, if they want to foam roll, it, it's it's up to them, right? And we try to teach them the the best methods, but we leave I leave that totally up to them. And then that's one way of, and then I talk about it. You know, you know, be a pro, be a pro because. Most most of my guys next year, they may be at a spot they don't have anyone like me near they're gonna or any athletic trainer. They're gonna have to take care of themselves. They're gonna have to warm themselves up. They're gonna have to do these these things that we are doing for them now. So that's good stuff. And I wanted I wanted to kind of dig in because of your experience too, coach. You've transitioned through jobs. You know, thankfully you've had a lot of success and been able to settle down, NC State, Utah there for a good long run. Now you're at Central Florida. How? So what's been a key for you to transition cities, staff, programs, athletics department? Maybe even, I would even go like under the hood a little deeper, like structure, like how reporting lines and stuff like that. I mean, I can't imagine the upheaval and change that you've had to navigate. When I just read your resume – not everybody can do that successfully, but you've obviously done a great job with that. Give us some advice. Like what's, what's been a, some key success, key success traits to do that. And, and Donnie, I have so much respect for you as a person and also your leadership abilities and skills. I'm almost tempted to say like, what are some things that you would do? Cause I'm sure there's some nuggets there, right? If you were uprooted and put in a, a school that you almost go back in time, 15 years. So think about that, like, because this one school may be never been in a power five, right? And, and there's no, no, that's just facts. And it's, it's, and the school is amazing. 
is, and maybe it's only been 50 years old, the school in general, only 50 years old, right? It's like, and there's, you know, so there's, there's a lot that comes with that. So, um, um, you know, I, I don't want to turn it back on you. I definitely have an answer, but I also would, would you like to throw something in there that's something that you feel would be important based on all your experience and your, and your knowledge of leadership and, and relationships, what are some tips you think would be helpful as well? Coach, is that fair? I ask you a question. I got you. I, I got a visual for you. This is going to expose me a little bit. I'm a, I'm a dad of four daughters. So the movie, I love movies and the movie, A Bug's Life. So if you've gotcha. ever seen the scene, the bug, they put the little lantern in this one scene. And it's a bright light and the bug's flying at it. He goes, it's so beautiful. And he's flying into it. And he gets zapped and he dies. What I have seen in Texas, I'm just going to be candid. We get these brand new coaches. We don't have a lot of turnover, but what I've seen, somebody comes in, they come in hot, coach. They got their their values, the way they're going to do practice. And, and I just sit there and watch them. And I go, yep, that's not going to work. I was like, you do not change Texas. Texas changes you. My point of that is I think anywhere you go, every athletics department has a kind of an ethos and a culture. And I am not going to change my position, my greatness or whatever. Like you, I think you nailed it on the head. If we circle back, you got to come in with like a just a curious, just willing to learn and understand what's going on around you and then adjust your methods and adapt your training and leadership style and philosophy to fit that. Not compromising who you are as a person, your character, but just being flexible, right? Um, John Maxwell's got a book called Leadership. And he talks about a cheetah can run 80 to plus miles an hour at top end speed, but a cheetah can also run sideways 30 plus miles per hour. And today, things we're, we just talked about it, NIL, uh, conference realignments, restructures, lawsuits with the NCAA, all that stuff's blowing up. The one, the one key trait we're all going to need is adaptability. You ain't going to make it if you're not adaptable. And that goes back to coach. You nailed it. You got you to gotta check your ego at the door and be ready to learn, ready to reinvent yourself and not always be the main leader. You may be a supporter, second fiddle, Right. Nobody wants to play second fiddle, but if you can play second fiddle really well, you probably can make some good changes. And I guarantee you, you've had to do that in your career. That's why you've been so great. Well, thank you, Joe, with your experience in, in, in your in the military. And, I, and it can't be said enough. Thank you so much for what you've done for our country. Do you. You may have been in a similar situation, uh, possibly when changing I'm sure I'm, I'm guessing units or whatever. Do you, what are you, what are you seeing? What you have a perspective there on yeah. what could help guys? Yeah. Um, in the, in the, I I'm from the Marines. So I have that, that's my background in the military. So um, there's a lot of change, you know, you, you kind of break in 18 months, you work up to a deployment for about a year and then you deploy for six months, come back and there's a big change in leadership. About half of the officers go out New officers come in, uh, same thing with the uh, junior leadership Marines. And so, you know, half your battalion will be gone and the new half comes in and it, it just does that over and over again. And the saying that a lot of the older Marines told me was the, the big green machine keeps moving, whether you, you know, you like it or not. Cause I think I made a comment one time 
uh, we all, you know, a couple of good officers left to go to their next unit. I'm like, man, it, you know, it's going to stink losing those guys. You know, they were great officers. They made they did great things for the unit, you know, and they left behind some good products. But, um, yeah, the big green machine keeps moving and you just get it. You got to get on for the, you know, the ride or or it's going to kick you off. You know, if you, if you sit there and watch, um, you, you just have to keep pushing and, and keep doing, I think, what's best for your Marines or what's best for your athletes. I think if you put those people you serve first, like you, you won't go wrong, you know, and as long as you kind of keep perspective and vision um, on all of that with, with all the changes around you, um, it, it keeps going. So that's kind of the, the take I've always had. Um, it is, it is nice in the collegiate setting, at least for, for our staff, it's been relatively the same, uh, since, since I came on under Donnie and Clint, um, we, we've all been able to be together for almost five years now. So we're, you know, we're, we're kind of humming and everything, but, uh, it's, it's not like that everywhere. So I, I think, you know, a lot of people have to kind of learn to, to adapt, uh, in, in their situation. So, so yeah, that's really good. So you know, pe- serve, you know, people first, serve them first, you know, your athletes. And then, uh, you know, coach may have talked about leave shift, be, be ready to shift. I, I'm going to add um, a co- couple mistakes that I've made. I, I came in and even you would think I wouldn't make this mistake, but I did. I came into UCF and I assumed that there were like mindsets in different departments in, in, in that were at Utah, right? There was, and, and what I mean by like mindset, it's just the same. They had the same objectives. Like I, I almost said, hey, okay, our sports science department has the same objective as the one at Utah. Our sports medicine does too, right? But but as Johnny as Donnie mentioned earlier, it's 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 the university set up. It's the universities uh, already in place. These cultures are in place, and you almost have to get in there and really uh, don't assume that you don't bring the other school with you. I've made that mistake. And, and, and the other thing is it's a great opportunity to reinvent yourself. If, if you, if you have some stuff, like you lost your head too many times, you know, maybe screamed at some people, whatever, had a bad relationship with a department. It's an opportunity for you to, they don't know that the slate's clean. So I've always, I even have told my kids, Hey, they don't know you as anybody. You can be whoever you want to be. And if, if you feel like, that's what you need to get better at something. It's a great opportunity to do that. I like the part about the reinventing. I think that's so powerful, but it takes, you know, what I've noticed, it takes work, you know, and I don't know that some people aren't willing to do the work to do that, but that's, that's a powerful point. That's, that's good stuff, coach. I think there's a lot of value to working with a lot of new people. I, I still remember when I, when I left my first duty station in Hawaii, I had the same company commander for all three years that I was there. And uh, I remember one of the last things he said is like, you know, as well as we work together, um, you know, me being your CO, I, I almost wish that um, you could have worked under somebody else for the second half of the time you're here, because now you're going to leave here and you're going to work for someone else, but, but you don't really know any different than what I've taught you, you know? And so you're going to have to adapt right away as soon as you get to, uh, Washington in, in your new command. So, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of experience and value to getting that early in your career too, but yeah, coach and, and, you know, in discussing a lot of this stuff and, and, um, you've done a great job of, 
reaching out because kind of like how you did here, you asked us for our advice. You've done a great job of bringing coaches together and creating a, a performance uh, symposium for basketball. Uh, we just had our own performance clinic. It's one of my favorite times of the year. What made you want to start a high performance basketball symposium? Joe, I wanted to begin this event because I needed to get better. And I, and I, I did it for mostly me is, is I felt like there was, I was attending a lot of conferences and, and events and most of them were, were football dominated, which was, which was great to learn about as well. Cause you can apply, you know, these, the things you learn, but I needed to have something where I got around people and coaches that had the same problems I had. And this event be became that, that piece of the puzzle that I needed. So I, I, this, I've been dying to ask coach this question. Um, I'm just going to be, I'm be honest. I'm just a little envious of your conference. We've been doing, uh, we celebrated 10 years on our clinic. So I'm going to be a little bit of a, a spy here. Coach, what goes in to making a great symposium? What are the big things you look for when, when your people come in, they it's coveted, they want to come, they want to spend their money. They come in. What makes them go, man, this was an amazing symposium. I got to tell everybody about it and I'm coming back next year. Go for it. What you got? <laughs> Coach, thank you so much. I That's a that's a difficult question, but here it goes. Uh, I think that the biggest thing that I want, we have this mantra, whatever, is we want this to be a great experience for everyone. So how do you do that? Well, you make it a great experience for the, the as soon as they walk in the door, you want to you want to greet them. It's kind of you break out your old Southern hospitality. You know, the, you invite them into your home. Right. If someone's you have them over for dinner, you know, you're going to open the door for them. You're going to bring them in the house. You're going to make sure they got a seat. You're just going to take care of them and, and you're going to be excited to see them and happy and, and happy they're there and and hate to see them go. When they leave, you want to walk them out the building, and if you can, right? So I think I think where I'm going that is we want that experience for everyone, not just we want it for the presenters. We want to put the presenters in a situation where they have their greatest chance to succeed. We want them to be in a situation where they they feel like they're able to deliver their best presentation ever. And we and I tell them that it says I I'll, whatever you need. Because I, I want I want you to walk away from this event feeling like you just delivered one of your best presentations ever. So it's 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 kind of everybody elevate, right? Everything elevates in all ways, whether it's the experience. So I mean, so that's 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 kind of what where I where I wanted to go and where I wanted to continue to be. What about so that's good stuff. That is so good. What about the attendees? So if you were gonna say, hey. You're coming to my symposium or you're coming to whatever uh, conference. What advice would you give an attendee to make sure to really just squeeze every drop out of a conference or symposium that they can when they go? What what are some things they should be doing? Obviously, listening to the content, but is there anything else you would recommend? Oh, absolutely. So it's a great question. We, as an attendee, the you want to you're around all these professionals from all ages and all experience all ex levels of experiences right and you want to build relationships just break bread with them ask them questions tell them about your problems uh and how would they solve them right and and one of the things we do is we have these roundtable discussions that, that are really fun and we'll put eight or ten people around a table 
and you get to meet seven or eight people you've never met before. And then you guys get to talk about things, right? And it's kind of this connection. It's kind of like this social event that, that adds to this relationship piece. We want you to walk away. You need to walk away with relationships. Yeah. You know, it's funny this, this year, that's so good, Joe, uh, you, you can, you were there for this. We had a speaker uh, dinner the first night and it was at this place called machine works. It's absolutely phenomenal place. They got food, they got drinks, they got music, they got fire pits. It's huge. It's packed. What I felt this year, to your point, the more you can build in that social experience and like just human to human, the content to me, I've done done a ton of conferences just like you have. We've led some. But man, the part where I really come back and I am fired up is where I've spent time. Like when I saw you in Orlando for the NSCA, like that kind of stuff fires me up more than like hearing periodization talks, you know. And I like to I like to listen to content, but man, it's the relationships and hearing what you're doing and what's going on with your family and your work and that what you've been struggling with their work, what the creative solutions you got. And we get on different topics and it's like that stuff really fills my cup. And I think that makes a great, great conference or symposium. What do you think, Joe? I'd have to agree. I think, you know, we have being fortunate to be on the staff, you know, we even have a um uh, like an in-staff on Friday, the, the day before the clinic. So our staff kind of gets to have a little bit of a preview of, of what's to come the next day. And we're usually kind of running around trying to make the conference, you know, the, the clinic uh, go along. So sometimes we miss some stuff on Saturday. So it's it's really nice to have like kind of like that. I don't know how, what, how you call it, uh, just close up and personal presentation. And we get to spend a lot more time with presenters. And, and to me, that that's the part I value a lot. Um, and then obviously the, the dinner as well, you know, the, to get to know them and uh, develop those relationships and connections, because um, if, if we never did that, you know, some of the people I know today, I, I, I probably wouldn't know at all if I had just gone to the clinic because, you know, every clinic, there's a line of people that have a, a ton of questions for the speaker and you only get probably so much time with them uh, in that in that moment. And, you know, it's an eight hour day, but that's it's like the fastest eight hours ever. So, um, yeah, I think making a great symposium. I, I really like what, what you're doing, coach, with the the, the round table, seven, eight people sit at a table. Uh, I've done that at a similar uh, clinic. Uh, coach McKeefrey, who's now up with the, the Huskies, he used to put on some of those stuff with play, and we had to do that. And I, I sat there with seven or eight other guys and, and girls, and um, it was cool. We we had a set of questions we had to, to answer and discuss at the table, and then we all shared our answers with the group. And that was, it was pretty fun, you know, and, um, made some great connections doing that as well. Yeah. That's at your event, Donnie and Joe's sounds amazing. And wow. I mean, the place you just described where y'all have that dinner. I mean, that that's exactly it. And Donnie, I love your thought process is, is, is really, we should think that our events are just a, a day and a half social for me or one day or, or, you know, the night before and a whole day, the next day social. And that there's there's great education content that surrounds it, but it's about the the social aspect and building those relationships. Yeah, and I was talking to one of our staff too, Charles, just recently, um, and she was drained. You know, not there's diff different department, but just staff and 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 athletics here. And I was like, our jobs, we give out so much, we pour out. We're always serving. We're helping we're assisting we're problem solving we're 
we're encouraging, we're challenging people. And that's coming out of us, right? That's our energy. We're taking out of our deficit. But at some point, Charles, to your point, you've got to fill that cup back up. You've got to around Pete, get around people and have life-giving conversation, things that that that, oh man, I'm in this trench together. Like you're struggling with that too. And when you, man, when I do that. Like that just makes me just fully energized again. And like, I love my job. This is why I do what I do because of the people I'm around like-minded people that are striving to get better and push the envelope and they're struggling just like me. So I feel a normal person still. And, and, uh, you, and again, you, like you said, you get around different people from different walks of life and different, uh, different departments and man, that, that team approach is, it makes, I love working with a team. And so it's, it's such a good thing. Yeah. If I could just piggyback off what Donnie said, I, I think the way, at least for ours, when we have it, we would come right off of a, you know, Christmas break. And then, um, so we, we got a little bit of rest from a, from a tough fall as we all experience. And then it's almost like that, that clinic is like a jet pack and, and it just kind of like just blasts you right into the spring, you know, motivated, energized, new ideas, things like that. So that personally, that's why I love, um, the clinic we have. And then in the summer can do the same thing for us when a lot of the, the bigger clinics go down too. So, um, but yeah. So if you have not been to Charles clinic, get your butt to that symposium. That's what we're, we're talking about here. So I'm <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm going to give a little shameless plug. I'm good coach. I got you. Uh, we're going to shift the topic here. We're kind of getting near the end, but a couple more here. I'm going to take one and Joe will get the next one. Coach looking through, leadership the lens of leadership again this generation of kid is different of athlete with nil the kids are carrying more autonomy than they ever have how do you hold your athletes accountable charles how do you do that there's several ways right and you know one one way is is we love you know i stole this from the military early is on time on time is late late is forgotten so they're given that speech day one and if you're late you just go get on the treadmill. I'm not going to tell you what you just start running on the treadmill and because you're forgotten. And because sometimes if I got to go take in and hey, go put him through a workout on a treadmill or go, you know, then, then you're taking up my time. You're taking from the people that were there on time. And I say all these things, you're forgotten. So just go over there. And, and when I'm ready to come get you, I'll come get you. And you'll see some jogs and some walks, but it rarely happens, right? It's going to happen a time or two in the beginning, right? And then it gets really good and it doesn't happen uh, too much as far as being late. So I, I think the one thing that's really helped me is this mindset is elite athletes, they 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 want to be held accountable. They want to be pushed. You think about your your best athletes, Joe, your best athletes, Donnie. If, 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 if they want, they're just dying to work hard, be disciplined, do the right thing. So, and they want to understand, right? So I, t I tell our, our interns, elite athletes want to be held accountable. They want to understand the training and they want to be pushed, right? They want to be elite. So that's, that's what I tell the team. And, and I tell the players that. So you, you want to be thinking about what's it, that, that mindset, right? And you know, it's, it's not a beautiful world. A lot of them, don't grab that message as much as you like, but there's some that have already dialed in and got it. And there's some that will move towards that direction. Right. But uh, that's just one story that comes to my mind or one way to hold them accountable. 
Yeah, I love that. Uh, I've never heard that. That's different. I love that. Like, you know, if you're late, you're forgotten. We're kind of, you know, the one challenge, uh, you know, I kind of talked about it, athlete today. You got to be careful. And I think that's so good what you just said. You got to be careful with, you know, punishing athletes today. I mean, they got social media, they got blogs, they got, you know, every, all, they, they got the power in their hands. And kids have a voice today. And so you you want to do something that not only I think that uh, that sends a message, but it's not an unfair, or unjust way to do that. It's not embarrassing. But you're at the end of the day, you're trying to teach a life lesson about the importance of putting your teammates first and not just thinking of yourself. That's so good. I've never heard that. That's great. You know, the, the reason why I really like it too, Donnie, and thank you, is that they can walk, they can jog. Like the ones that are really pissed, they'll go over there jogging. Like they're pissed at themselves, right? And the, and the ones that are that are just putzes anyway, they're they're over there, you know, trying to fiddle with it and work it out, right? But it's it's there's one athlete this year that it, he's only done it once, and he was fairly new to our program, but. He went over there and he was running. He was pissed at himself, right? So it was cool to see that. That is cool. Yeah, you get to find out what you find out what somebody's mad at made out of when they make a mistake, right? And what really matters to them. Yes. And I, I gotta add one more thing and sorry. I, I think it's more powerful to do it right there, immediate punishment. To to sit on it for 24 hours the next morning, you're getting up at 6 a.m. We've all done this stuff, right? And it's like now they have time to like sleep on it and, and they wake up the next day and they may have a different mindset. You know, I got this. I can do this, you know, but if it's right, right here, right now, you're getting punished for screwing up. I think I think it has a greater impact. No, it does. The I mean, you know, you've got kids. I, we've we've got four daughters, my wife and I. Joe's got a, a young son. But whenever you're trying to change behavior, which is what we're talking about, behavioral change. It's got to be swift. It's got to be immediate. It's got to be fair. And you've got to, they've got to know why, you know, because that resonates and they remember the longer you let that drift, the less impact it has. That is 100% spot on. Good word, coach. That's great. Rod, think of an acronym. You have one for that? Swift, immediate, fair, and why? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't come up. <laughs> I don't got one, coach. I that's just, good. that's just how we parented our girls. You know, and, and yeah, I hear you, Joe. This, this, you know, the the discipline that's required to be a Marine, and 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 I know there's 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 probably I'm guessing, and you can help clarify this. There's probably level of Marines, just like there's level of athletes. Like there's the best one, the hardest freaking working one, the most dialed in, and you got the ones that are not as dialed, but they're still pretty good, right? Um, how do you handle the 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 discipline that you've seen that you've done in your life, the, the, the sense of purpose that you've had in serving, how do you handle the, this accountability piece? Yeah. Well, it's funny. Your, your story, uh, you know, putting guys on a treadmill and they, they can watch the team lift. It's, it's very similar to kind of something we do. You know, I, I was an infantry Marine, so we'd go to the range a lot and, uh, and the guys, they want to go to the range. They want to shoot, they want to train um, that's the fun part of, of what we do. Uh, but if you're late, uh, we also have a job for that too. You can organize the ammo table and pick up brass and 
watch the rest of the platoon shoot. Well, you can kind of be our, our janitorial staff and make sure the range is nice and clean for us to train on. Um, and that, that, uh, usually, you know, and there's, I don't, we didn't, wouldn't yell at them or anything. It was like, okay, good. We needed a guy for that. Um, so you just volunteered yourself. Uh, that, that was one way. Um, yeah, I, I think the military is a little different. You know, there, there's definitely other forms of discipline. You know, there's the good old fashioned, uh, military whoops military style of uh yelling at them uh with things i won't mention on this podcast uh some guys just need it you know i, I think the biggest difference is that there's a lot of guys who came up from different backgrounds that they didn't join the marines necessarily to be the greatest at their sport or what they do they did it because they they're probably trying to stay at a juvie or something uh or or, or not go down a path that maybe some of their their role models did in, in their life, you know, and, and we're fortunate in D1 sports kids show up, they want to win. They want to be the best, you know, and they're going to be go-getters. And so there's, there's an awful lot of kids that you, you kind of got to motivate differently. Uh, sure. There's a lot of discipline. I think that discipline is instilled through your procedures and the way you do things on a daily basis. So that way you don't have to constantly play catch up and, and, you know, take the, take the extra time out of your day to, to, to get after them. But it's it's uh, it's a little bit controlling, you know. It's, it's just a little different. It's a little micromanaged, so that's kind of how it operates in the Marines. But yeah, the, the go getters though, the the way to kind of keep them going is you fuel them, you give them more leadership opportunities, you you give them more responsibilities because that you can tell that just really fires them up. Like any opportunity they can have to lead really gets them going, and it's it's almost like you get residual effects off of it. They they they're never late. All of a sudden, they're they're taking initiative all of a sudden and, and, uh, and by, by kind of fueling the fire, their accountability just goes up to the roof. So. And, and you're referring to your athletes as in that situation right now or, or, or in, in your Oh team? no, I was, I was, I was kind of, uh, sorry. I was still talking about, uh, military Great. guys, but you applied these, these things that you, um, as far as holding athletes accountable or whatever you want to say, as far as leadership. Yeah. Similar to athletes. I think, uh, the best ones want to be leaders. They, they want to represent their team. They don't want to just be a part of the team. So with them, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give them certain things that, you know, certain tasks like, Hey, I need help warming, warming them up. You know, if we have multiple groups in at a time or things like that, or, or some, some groups came in a little bit later or half the team came in later. Hey, can you warm that group up at, you know, as if they're like taking on a captain esque role, um, that really seems to get them going. Hey, can you please help me make sure the room's cleaned up? You know, there's only one of me, but if I got two of you, there's three of us, we make sure it gets done and we're the best group on the floor, making sure everything's cleaned up. Um, that seems to kind of fuel them too. And, and it all of a sudden they kind of start holding themselves accountable and then they hold their teammates accountable and it just kind of like a trickle down effect. So that's kind of some of the things I've, I've taken from the military and brought over to, you know, how I, how I work with the athletes. Uh, I think just to add to Joe, Charles, I think what I've seen with our volleyball team here, they've had a really good, successful run. I think what we see with this generation of kids, they're so used to being liked on social media, praised that they have sometimes they struggle, you know, holding their teammates accountable. You know, I think it's one thing for a coach to do it, but it's a whole nother level to teach kids to do it. So what I've had to kind of do is. I'll pull up the, the group after a session or in the middle of a session and go, hey, how are we doing right now? Because I'll have girls coming to me and go, so-and-so's not adding weight or she's not doing this. I'm like, well, why don't you tell them they don't want to? 
So you have to almost kind of create that environment where it's not attacking and it's not so confrontational, but you are calling out the standard. And so that seems to work well for that group. It may not with some groups, but um, they seem to be open and receive that more and call out stuff they see that needs to improve. So that's kind of, you know, I've kind of like almost primed the pump a little bit. It's been very effective for our team. And that's, that's really good for both of you guys. It's uh, it's real life. It's what we face every day and, and holding athletes accountable every day in some way, saying it the right way, you know, and it, it could be just little things like and how you say it. And did you eat breakfast today? Uh, you, I think you can do more, whatever it is, you got to say it the right way sometimes. And, and Joe mentioned the Marines, you know, it, we, bec I become less and less, uh, yelling. I was pretty fired up this morning though. <laughs> and, uh, and, but you try to, you know, if you're yelling all the time, you're just the guy over there yelling all the time. Right. <laughs> and the message is lost. Uh, so sometimes I had to actually say to myself day, okay, you got to change your tone. Yeah. And, you know, coach, I had, a, I had a question more from a performance standpoint. Uh, from, from what I've heard talking to um, other coaches who worked in basketball and things like that, you know, basketball can be kind of like a year-round sport. They're always playing. They're always um, somehow or some way finding themselves on the court. How do you kind of manage their workload throughout the season or throughout the year? Because some of them, you know, I, you know, some coaches I talk to like, hey, you know, how would you condition a basketball player? And they're like, well, uh, you know, you have to be careful with that because if you condition too much, you know, they're, they're just always playing, you know? So uh, I was kind of wanting to hear your, your uh, piece on that. Well, it, any tracking device really helps. It, it really helps you understand the demands of the game, which is what I'm most interested in. That helps me. So we do, we do monitor uh, loads and what when you go back and look at some of that data is in our program, and I'm sure there's others, there's many out there, is we work really hard. And when we go look at the data, the times that we run into little knickknacks or more rash of injuries, what your little little injuries, right? That that actually people miss practices is 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 early in the season. When we're early in the year, actually, in, in preseason, right? When you're really, you know, you go from four, we, we go four hours a week, right? When you go from four to 20, you know, and and it's hard, you know, it's great to have data that supports, hey, when we did that, we we can still get there, but let's go a little slower to get there. And, and that's it. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I'm swinging back towards more, Joe, is that it's really important to create this highly conditioned, highly uh, robust athlete that can take a lot, right? And you know yourself as a as a Marine how much work you did. And at some point, I'm sure your body just like adjusted to doing a lot of freaking work. That'd be my perception anyway. And that's that's what our basketball program here is like, is, is we – we can tolerate a lot of work. And, and I talked to other coaches and we have, we're sharing catapult data a little bit. And, and he's like, really? And even catapult saying like, really? And yes, you get, it really is good if you get there the right way. Right. And, and, but 
it also can be bad, right? Because so what I think the power to really answer your question, and I'm sorry I danced around so much, is our athletic trainer and myself share the data enough and our coach trusts us enough that if we want to pull, we, he pulls a player out of a drill or two or tries to figure out where, hey, I don't want this player to go over this load, amount of load today, or and it's not perfect either, then maybe I'll pull him out of this drill here or have him sit, you know, and maybe when we do scrimmages, I'll tell the coach, hey, don't don't play him as much as this guy, right? And it's not a perfect world. It kind of works. And then some days it's like, you know, it's one of them bad days and everybody needs to, you know, it doesn't matter what we say or do. It's not tolerated. The person is out. But I think that's monitoring. Load monitoring is great. But but look at it in the eyes of training and build this really resilient, strong athlete that can tolerate a lot of loads is is the key. And and that's maybe enough said. I'll I'll leave it at that. Yeah, appreciate it, Coach. We're gonna close. We we're kind of at the end here, but I want to say one thing to what he was just saying about the loads. It's kind of like if your car was overheating or doing, you would you'd always course correct. You do some intervention. So you got to do the same thing with your athletes today. You want to build a big engine, a great athlete, but you also still gotta you gotta have some some markers. So it's good stuff. Um, coach, one more question and we'll, we'll wrap it up. What's your top two or three podcast books you got for us today? What you got coach? Okay. You're going to share yours. <laughs> I got some. Okay. You probably do. Well, I do read a lot of books on leadership and I've read a lot in the past and I think discipline equals freedom, um, leadership strategies and tactics from Jocko Willink has, you know, a couple of his books have been great sources for me. I think as far as researchers, uh, Tim Sukumel has really ad advanced me with the weightlifting derivatives and and understanding what what they actually do and give. And and now he's you know digging deeper into AEL training and and we have a better understanding of that. I think uh, Paul Comfort has been been an amazing influence on me as a researcher. John McMahon, uh, Martin Bukite, these are all researchers that that have definitely advanced me in the field. That's, that's comes, what comes to mind right now. I've met some of those guys. Those are sharp cats right there, man. That's oh, Brian man. Let's mention Brian man too. Uh, you know, he was at university of Miami. I don't know where he is now. He's at A&M. So don't... I, I, I got you. <laughs> he stuck me into that one. I, I set him up, Joe. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, he's awesome. And, and he's practical and you know, no, and, and I just watched his presentation on three on the three T's that the NSCA did, or whatever I can't remember it was a virtual conference, and and he brought up a study that uh, Matt Ray, Doctor Matt Ray, and even Joe Ken was a part of. Is about this. It was done in 2016, but it was it was really cool research, and and and, and you know Brian Mann, the pioneer in, in advancing us with velocity based training. I, I mean. I can go on, but I'm I'm really influenced by a lot of researchers. Yeah, that's cool. I've I've not done as much reading on the research stuff. That's interesting. I need to I need to do that. That'd be good for me. So that's different for me. Good stuff for me. So, Coach Joe, you got anything else before we wrap up here? No, I, I was just going to second. I love anything written by Jocko. I think it's a great source. Any leadership, uh, 
he he definitely humbles himself talking about a lot of his mistakes he made which is a little different than what i think a lot of most navy seals or post-military guys write about so um it's it's always good stuff but coach if if our listeners wanted to find you on social media or anything like that email where, where could they find you Okay, it's High Performance Basketball. And, you know, the website is highperformancebasketball.com. The Instagram is highperformancebasketball. I don't have a personal handle. Uh, I I do need to do a better job of posting content. Uh, I do. It's a lot about the event, and which is good to know. And, and, but yeah, that's how they can follow me. Awesome. Good stuff, Coach. I uh, looked that up just now, so I got you. Well, that's all we got today, Coach. It has been a... Just a pleasure to to chat with you, and thanks for being patient with us today, Coach Charles. Um, best of luck to you guys rest of the season. I know, except for when you play us again. Sorry, <laughs> got us already. But uh, man, you guys it sounds like y'all got it going down there a little bit. So keep it rolling. Oh, thank you, Coach. We're excited to be in the Big Twelve. It's so much fun, and and just a different circuit to to reconnect with some coaches. I just saw Sean Brown from West Virginia the other day, and. And getting the chance to go to Austin and 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 hang out with you for a little bit, it's been phenomenal. So it's it's I'm I'm excited for all that. Yeah, man, that's that's the best part. Is just again goes back to connecting with people. So you're there. It is, Coach. Yes. Do you know anything else before we wrap it up, baby? Oh, I was just say it's great to meet you, Coach, and uh, good luck the rest of the spring. Hey, same. I, we're gonna meet in person. You guys come to the symposium. Would love to have you. Uh, awesome. You know, to Lando in May. It's not a bad time. Where's it at? Give us the dates on that, Coach. Dates all. It the- is uh, May 9th and 10th. We have a social May 8th the night before. Uh, we, you know, we do a social on May 9th as well. But uh, it's it's May 9th and 10th. It's here in on the campus of University of Central Florida. It's it's a, it's a it's a great experience. It's a great time. Where they where they sign up at? Well, you can the- go to the website highperformancebasketball.com. You can register there. Um, so yeah, and 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 Donnie and and you know one thing for us doing as long as we have, you know, one of the things is, is we want to elevate even the most seasoned uh, professional in some way. Like I, t- I tell all the presenters, how, how are you going to challenge the person that's been doing it? And then what I mean by challenges, how are you going to lift or how, how are you going to help impact or impact in some way, the most seasoned professional in the audience? Right. So that's, that's the mindset of the presenters. Like they're going to, they're going to try to bring something to elevate everyone and uh, man, I appreciate you guys talking about it. We'll put that in the show notes. And again, uh, I know that's on my bucket list to get out there. We usually have regionals for tennis. Who so I train men's tennis here. It's hard to get out, as you know, when you're in full season. But hey, to our listeners, you got to get out and connect with Charles, his staff. Uh, I've heard nothing but just rave reviews over the symposium. So get your butt out there. And coach, again, thank you for your time today. I know you're busy too. So awesome. Thank you. Honor. Appreciate it. Hey, that's it for the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm Donnie May, Coach Joe, and Big Charles Stevenson in the house. Coach, we appreciate you. And sorry, we got to do it, Coach. Hook them horns. Hook them. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.